Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. It's so good to be here today. It's so good to see actually quite a few people. I was like, it's a long weekend. It's winter. Is anybody going to show up? (laughs) And you have. And hello to those who are watching online as well. I know we do have a lot of sickness uh, in our church at the moment, which... It kind of sucks, so make sure you keep those people in your prayers. And if that is you and you're watching from online and you're sick, we're praying for you. I've been praying for you uh, all morning. So we are in the middle of a series on James. Who's been loving this series? Like, I love the book of James, and then I read it, and I'm like, ooh. Because <laughs> he, he doesn't sugarcoat things, does he? He just kind of says it how it is. And so today I have called my message, The Proof is in the Pudding. And uh, I think it's quite a, it's a weird coincidence, really, that, that it's food-related. Because the last two weeks, Josh spoke about turning lemons into lemonade. Nick spoke about peanut butter and jelly, and that was related to faiths and, and works. And today I'm speaking about the proof is in the pudding. This wasn't planned. <laughs> but I'm giving out a challenge to Sally, who's preaching next week. The challenge has been set. See if you can connect food in somehow. It wasn't planned, but now it is. <laughs> So today, I I really want to start, I've got a key verse in James chapter 3 that I I want to focus on, and so that is James 3.13. So let's read it. James says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honourable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. And the reason I chose this verse is because today I want to talk about wisdom and how we prove that, that we have this wisdom and that we understand God's ways. And so first we need to look at what is wisdom? Fortunately, we have the Bible and the Bible is full of a lot of answers to life's questions. And Proverbs is a book that talks a lot about wisdom. And Proverbs says, how much better to get wisdom than gold? And so what that shows us is that wisdom is really valuable. And this was true for the, the, the Israelites and the Jewish people that of this time of the Bible. They really highly valued wisdom. It was very cultural to value wisdom so highly. And I think that's kind of the same as and what Jace shared earlier. That wasn't planned either. That's just God kind of showing um, the wisdom of people and, and, and this message. I think it's a, it's a weird coincidence, but it's a God coincidence what Jason shared. Wisdom is valuable. So how do we gain this wisdom? If it is valuable, how do we we get it? Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he said, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. And so we can see that wisdom is gained by listening to God and following his word. Sounds, it's actually pretty simple. So where does wisdom come from? Well, Proverbs, again, has the answer for us. Proverbs 2, verse 6. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so we see here that wisdom comes from God. This all makes sense so far, doesn't it? It's pretty self-explanatory. Wisdom comes from God. When we listen to God's word and we follow his teaching, we are wise. And James talks about this type of wisdom, but he actually talks about two different types of wisdom. And the first type of wisdom he talks about is not God's type of wisdom. So let's see what he talks about. We go to our key verse again, verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honourable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. 
But, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. Here we get into some of James' bluntness. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Okay. <laughs> jealousy and selfishness, earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Ouch. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find evil, sorry, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. He doesn't sugarcoat things. <laughs> and he's saying that this kind of wisdom, this selfish ambition and this jealousy, that's not God's kind of wisdom. In fact, those things are evil. So where does this kind of wisdom come from? This kind of wisdom that is, is not God's wisdom, where does it come from? Well, James already told us. It's earthly. It's not from God. It's from the earth. And this earthly wisdom you can see all throughout the Bible and in common day now. We can see our earthly wisdom. Just one example I thought of was uh, the disciples. They were with Jesus. And there was a crowd of 5,000 people listening to Jesus preach. And it was dinner time. And so the disciples, in their wisdom, they were like, well, it's dinner time. Let's send these people home so they can go get food. That's pretty logical, yeah? That's, that's pretty wise in an earthly sense. But that's not what God's wisdom wanted. God was like, Jesus said, no, I'll just feed them. And so he turned some loaves and some fishes into enough food to feed 5,000 people, and there was more food left over than there was to begin with. God's wisdom is just way more, way better than our earthly wisdom. Even though we think we're doing the right thing sometimes with our earthly wisdom, God's wisdom is so much better and, and miraculous in this sense. In, and in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. And that doesn't mean that God thinks we're dumb. It doesn't mean that we are dumb when we think of things. It doesn't mean that. What it's saying is comparing our wisdom, our earthly wisdom that's full of sin... Comparing that to God's wisdom, it's like comparing a candle to the sun. It's incomparable. It pales in comparison. God's wisdom is so much better than ours. Because our wisdom is unspiritual, comes from evil. And this is true since the very beginning. In the Garden of Eden, there was one tree, the tree of good and evil, the tree, tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God said, don't eat from this tree. And then the serpent came, who was Satan or the devil. And he said the first lie. He said to Eve, surely you won't die if you eat this. Surely you won't die. That was a lie because Eve eating that fruit and Adam eating that fruit ended in eternal death for everyone forever. Until Jesus came, of course, and fixed what Adam and Eve broke. And so we can see that our wisdom is kind of rooted in this evil lie, in this untruth, in this unspiritual thing that doesn't rely on God at all and relies on our own wisdom that isn't even ours. It's, it's sinful and it's our human nature and it just kind of sucks. So James says, that kind of wisdom, this earthly wisdom, it's not from God. So what does he say about God's wisdom? Well, let's read. 
But the wisdom from above, which is the wisdom from God, is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, it's, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. That sounds pretty great, doesn't it? <laughs> That's much better than our earthly wisdom. And so if we compare our earthly wisdom to our godly wisdom, we can see that earthly wisdom is jealous, it's selfish, there's boasting, there's lying, it's unspiritual, there's disorder when we do it, and it's demonic or evil. But when we compare that to God's wisdom, it's pure, it's peace-loving, it's gentle. And notice that these are in like direct opposite of being jealous and selfish. It's willing to yield to others. Putting others first, that's the opposite of being selfish. It's full of mercy. It's full of good deeds. It shows no favoritism. It's always sincere. There's no lying. It's sincere. It's truthful. And it's humble, which is the opposite of boasting. And so godly wisdom, we can see, yeah, it's actually pretty good. And we should strive to have that kind of wisdom. Now, maybe you know some people who uh, are like this. Maybe you know someone who has a lot of earthly wisdom. Maybe like Arnold Schwarzenegger, for example. I didn't know he was going to share that, but it worked perfectly. He knew a lot. He was the governor of California. I haven't done my research on him, but Jace clearly has. Uh, but he has done all of this stuff. And yet when asked one of the most important questions, what happens uh, after death, he had no clue. He didn't have God's wisdom. He had earthly wisdom, which is incomplete. It doesn't have all the answers. He could be a good man, but I'm sure he makes mistakes, as we all do because we are all human. And even if we have God's wisdom, because we are human, we will make mistakes as well. And James talks about this. Earlier in James chapter 3, he says, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. He goes on to say, he gets, actually gives some really good uh, metaphors about how powerful the tongue is. Uh, hopefully yesterday in our Bible reading plan on our app, you read all of James chapter 3. Show of hands, who did that yesterday? Oh, dear. <laughs> I see like one hand. I'm sure you're being humble, right? And being like, I'm not going to boast about the fact that I read my Bible, right? You read it the day before, didn't you? Okay. If you haven't already got it, our app has a Bible reading plan in the Reflect tab. Every week we give scriptures that relate to the sermon from the week before. Um, and what it does, it really it makes, us, it makes it though so we can all be on the same page with our Bible reading. And then when we see each other, it's like, hey, did you read Wednesday's verse? My goodness, that really challenged me. Uh, so I encourage you to do that this week, please. It's really good for you. Anyway. James chapter 3, it has a lot of examples about how powerful our tongue is. And in comparison to how small it is, it talks about how our tongue is like the rudder of a ship um, and, and a few other examples. I'm not going to go into that because of time. So James says, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. And then he goes on to say, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. He then goes on to say, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. 
So what he's saying with this is that whatever your tongue says, it's what's in your heart. You can't draw uh, fresh water from a salty spring. So if you're salty on the inside, salty is what's going to come out. When push comes to shove, salty is going to come out. Your tongue says what's in your heart. And in Matthew, Jesus says something very similar. He says, but the words you speak come from the heart, and that's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. Jesus, again, doesn't sugarcoat things. Jesus and James are half-brothers. Maybe it's because of that. Maybe it's because of the word of God. I don't know. But what Jesus and James are both saying is that what's on the inside comes out. Whatever's on the inside, it will come out. And that's why, again, in Proverbs, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. We need to be checking our heart. We need to do a heart check. Because whatever's in our hearts comes out. And when our, what comes out are our words, and our words actually have a bit of power. They can hurt people or they can help people. They can destroy a friendship like that. A friendship that you've taken years to build and it can be destroyed with a simple sentence. So we need to guard our hearts because we can't tame our tongue. Our tongue is untamable. So we need to work on our hearts. You know, in uh, James chapter 3, a lot of people actually split up the first part of James and the second part of James. And they even put a title in there. The first part talks about the tongue and the second part talks about wisdom. Whereas I think we need to get rid of that title that breaks it up because I actually think the two are connected. See, James finishes talking. He finishes saying, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. And then the very next sentence is, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honourable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from God's wisdom. It's our key verse. So right after he finishes talking about how the tongue is untamable, how you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring, you need to focus on what's in your heart, the very next thing he says, if you are wise. So I think there's a connection between wise people and the fact that we can't tame our tongue. So let's explore that. Because I think you can appear as though you are wise. You might say some kind words sometimes. You may say some really smart things. Maybe you focus on your good deeds and you're like, well, I'm just going to go and help people. But when push comes to shove, when you get really stressed or really tired, or maybe even if you've got a bit of substances inside of you, the truth comes out. The proof is in the pudding. And what that saying means, I looked it up, what that saying means is essentially you can, you can look, look at a pudding and it can look delicious. I actually made pudding last night. I've never made this kind of chocolate pudding before. It actually is really delicious. But uh, you can have a pudding and it can look delicious, but you don't know if it tastes good until you eat it. And what that's saying, it's what's on the inside that counts. It doesn't matter about your looks. It doesn't matter about what you do, about how you appear to others. It matters about what's on the inside, what's in your heart. And so you're thinking, okay, well, I want to be wise. <laughs> I don't want to have a heart full of evil and deceit and disorder and all those negative earthly wisdom things. I want to have a heart full of godly wisdom. So how can we be wise? I'll tell you what. A wise person doesn't focus on their actions. 
I think it can be really easy to, to do things. I'm a doer. I'm a planner and I'm a doer. I like just getting things done. If something's sitting there for a while and it's not getting done, I can't handle it. I'm like, let's just do it. See, a wise person, it, they don't focus on their actions. Because when you're focusing on your actions, you're focusing on yourself. And that's selfish. Because you're focusing on what can I do? How can I help? What difference am I going to make in someone's life? A wise person doesn't focus on their actions because a wise person knows that what's on the inside comes out. Now you may be thinking, hang on a second. Jesus said that in our hearts are all these evil things and they lead to all these sinful things. And yeah, our human nature is kind of evil because of sin. It's very quiet in here. I promise I'm not telling you off. It's getting good. Our hearts, our sinful nature kind of sucks. Yeah? Yeah. But here's the thing. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. When we decide to follow Jesus, when we become a Christian, we become a brand new person. Our old sinful life dies because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And we get a brand new life filled with Jesus. In case you need a picture representation of this, no more evil heart, brand new, shiny, red, pretty, cute heart. God said to Ezekiel, pretty much this exact picture. He said to Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Isn't that a beautiful picture? There's a picture. Can you tell I work with kids? <laughs> Pictures are great. They help, they help me a lot. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, Paul says, don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world. Don't copy the earthly wisdom. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. He changes the way that we think from the earthly wisdom into this godly wisdom. A wise person knows that God changes their heart. A wise person focuses on God and God changes them from the inside out. So my question for you, do you want to be a wise person? Hopefully your answer is yes. So how do we be wise? First of all, we have to believe in Jesus. If you want this godly wisdom and you don't believe in God, then like what's the point of of? of uh, believing in Jesus. Like, you need to believe in Jesus to have this godly wisdom. If you don't think he exists, then the godly wisdom doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Make sense? Pretty obvious? Cool. I needed to put it in there just in case. If you are here today or watching online and you're like, I don't actually think I am a Christian. I want to know more. Please come and speak to us. Send us an email. Uh, Go speak to the help desk. I'll be around. We would love to talk to you more about what it means to be a Christian. So how do we wise, first of all, believe in Jesus? Second, we've got to read the Bible. And we have to do what it says, which is what Nick talked about a bit last week. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, it says this, Look, I now teach you these decrees and regulations just as the Lord my God commanded me. Obey them completely 
and you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. It would, you will display your wisdom when you follow God's word. I think that's an interesting choice of words, no? Because our key verse is, if you are wise, prove it with your good deeds. And when we follow God's word, we display our wisdom. Display is something you can see. You can't see words. You can see actions. James also talks about this in chapter 1. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. In Proverbs, when it talks about wisdom, often it talks about the opposite of wisdom, and it says that the opposite of wisdom is foolishness. So James is saying, when you listen, if you just listen to God's word and you don't do what it says, you are being the opposite of wise. So how to be wise? Believe in Jesus, read the Bible and do what it says. Number three, focus on God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to be, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. If you want to boast, boast about God. God made Jesus to be wisdom. When we focus on Jesus, we are focusing on wisdom. And notice there it says if you want to boast, boast about the Lord. Remember one of the earthly wisdom things was that we are proud. We boast about ourselves. Boast about God. In Ephesians, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything that you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. When we focus on God, who is wisdom, and when we follow his example, because he is wisdom, it's when <laughs> part of how we can be wise. Because what did Jesus do? He helped people. He healed people. He showed his love with action and ultimately... He died on the cross for us. We need to follow Christ's example. Example. In Hebrews, the writer says, Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, he starts and perfects our faith. The book of James or the letter of James is all about faith. And when we focus on Jesus, he's the one that perfects our faith. He works on our faith. He works on our heart. Isn't that incredible? So how to be wise, believe in Jesus, read the Bible, do what it says, focus on God and trust the Holy Spirit will help you because he will. And Jesus said about this, Jesus said, in Luke chapter 12, and when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time, at that time, what needs to be said. The Holy Spirit will give us the words to say because we can't tame our tongue. We can only focus on God. And then the Holy Spirit will give us self-control, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit, 
and he would teach us what to say when we need to say things. So we've got these four things here. If we want to be wise people, which I hope that we all do, we need to believe in Jesus. We need to read the Bible and do what it says. We need to focus on God, and we need to trust that the Holy Spirit will help us. And this isn't just a thing that we try once. Like we go, okay, I want to be wise. I'm going to do this today, and then I'm set for the rest. Uh, about a month ago, I had COVID, and I was fine. Or I had it very mild. But uh, I had found, I was on my phone a lot, and I found that on Uber Eats, you could sign up for a free trial of like Uber Eats Plus or something like that, which meant that you got free delivery. So I signed up for a free trial, and I got free delivery on a food one night. I was like, eh, cheating the system. And then the week ran out, and I just canceled the free trial. So I just got free delivery for like free. It was pretty great. But how to be wise isn't a thing like that. You can't just sign up for a free trial, have it for free for a bit, and then as soon as you have to start paying and have to start doing something, doing good deeds, just stop and be like, well, no, never signed up for this. It's not like that. Learning how to be wise and doing these four things are things that we have to keep continuing doing for the rest of our lives because that's what being a Christian is. Being a Christian isn't just a one-time offer and I'm going to do it today and then I'm done. It's a lifetime decision. We need to keep reading the Bible and doing what it says. We need to keep focusing on God. We need to keep trusting that the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. Last week, Nick talked about uh, chapter 2 of James. And he said uh, that James kept talking about faith and works for a couple of reasons. And one of the reasons he gave was that James is preparing us for the day of judgment. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. What I think Jesus is saying here is that the proof is in the pudding. If you make a pudding, you don't know if it, if it tastes good until you eat it. And once you've eaten the pudding, it ceases to exist. It's dead. It's the same with us if we are this pudding. At the end of our lives, God's going to look at us. He's going to look at our actions. He's going to look at our heart. He's going to look at what's on the inside. And I love this. It says, only those who actually do the will of my Father, only those who do good deeds. And how do we do good deeds? By being wise and knowing that God will work on our hearts and that a natural outpouring of that are these actions. And so we come back to our key verse. James chapter 3, verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honourable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from God's wisdom. And this wisdom is pure, peace-loving, gentle, willing to yield to others, full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. What I love about this, and I read this in a commentary, and I was like, whoa, it kind of changed my view of this. That he says our good deeds, they're actually the fruit. Fruit is what's produced from a tree. And if we're, you know, this tree and we're focusing on God and our heart is full of God and God's wisdom, the fruit of that is our good deeds. The thing about fruit is that you eat it. So when we are showing good, doing good deeds to others, we're not only sustaining them, like we're, first of all, we're sustaining them with actual food that they can use. We're not just saying, oh, God loves you, which you should say. But when we just say God loves you, they just go, okay, God loves me. But when we say God loves you and we do a good deed, they actually get something physical, tangible they can see and they can consume. That's a good deed. Like if we 
offer to make someone a meal or if we offer to clean someone's house or if we offer to drive someone somewhere or if we offer to, I don't know, do whatever it is God's asking you to do. It's something that they can consume. It's something that they can use and need and it meets a need. The very definition of fruit is that it's a fruit that has seeds inside of it. And I love how James goes on to say, those who are peacemakers will plant seeds because seeds are inside of fruit. And our fruit is our good deeds that we do to others. And we get that fruit by focusing on God. And God changes our heart so that we actually want to do good deeds. We don't feel compelled to do it. We want to do it because that's the fruit that comes out of focusing on God. And I just love that, that imagery of being like, wow, the good deeds that we do that naturally come out of us when we follow God's wisdom, when we focus on him, though that fruit Not only does it sustain the people that we help, but it plants seeds that will grow, hopefully, into a relationship with God. So my question that I asked you earlier, do you want to be a wise person? It's simple. We need to read the Bible and do what it says. We need to focus on God and we need to trust that the Holy Spirit will help us when we need it. If I get the band to come up, that would be great. This is really simple. Like, I know this isn't groundbreaking things. It's pretty simple. And it's basically almost exactly the same point as what Nick said last week. But I felt it bad repeating. Because so often as Christians, we focus on the good deeds. We can read James and goes, wow, I can't have faith without good deeds. I can't be wise without good deeds. All right, I've got to focus on my good deeds. But that's not what God wants. He wants us to focus on him. Because when we focus on anything else, it leads to disorder, it leads to chaos. We need to focus on God first and foremost. We need to read his word and we need to do what it says. And then we need to trust that the Holy Spirit will help us when we need it. The Holy Spirit will help us when we need it. We're about to sing a song now. Uh, We're doing a bit of a throwback to 10,000 Reasons. And uh, in the chorus, or maybe the verse, I don't actually know where it is, but it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And I I love this song for many reasons, 10,000 reasons. (laughs) But I love this song because it's like it's telling, we have to tell our souls sometimes to bless the Lord. We have to tell ourselves to focus on God. Because we have, a lot of the times, we have a bit of that selfish nature within us because we are human. We have that selfish nature. And so this song, when we sing it, it's like, Bless the Lord, my soul. Sing like never before, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Because sometimes we need to tell ourselves to worship God. We need to tell our soul, hey, I want to worship right now, so you better worship. I want to focus on God right now, so let's focus on God. I want to trust in the Holy Spirit right now, so let's trust in the Holy Spirit. We need to tell ourselves and, and convince ourselves to do this most of the time because our sinful nature wants us to do anything but rely on God. And we can see that as evident right at the beginning when the serpent said, you won't die. The very first lie, pretty big one. Let's not focus on what the enemy wants us to do. And the enemy wants us to do anything but focus on God. Let's focus on God and let's convince ourselves that we need to worship God. Let's get rid of, let's strip everything that slows us down. And let's focus on God who is the initiator and the perfecter of our faith. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to sing this song. Lord, look, we, as we read James, <laughs> we know he doesn't sugarcoat things. But Lord, I thank you 
that sometimes we really need to hear it that way. Lord, I thank You that You have come and You've taken our old, sinful, disgusting heart and that You have replaced it with a fresh, new one. That You have replaced it with one that has no sin. Lord, I ask that You really just help us. We need Your help to focus on You because when we focus on You, that's when all this fruit happens. So Lord God, I pray that us as Poor Life Church, I thank You that You've given us Your life and I pray that we can go out and share Your life with others by doing good deeds as the fruit of us focusing on You. Lord God, thank You that You have given us Your godly wisdom. Thank You that You are wisdom itself and that You have given us every tool we need to follow You. So Lord, I thank You. And I ask that you help us to remember this this week. You help us to remember to focus on you every single day for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.